we, we ended up last time in Jude, the book of Jude, finishing up, and I love this, uh, the last verse of Jude, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? There we go. There's no other God, no other Savior except our God, and, and uh, everything goes to Him. All the glory goes to Him, all the majesty, all the power forever and ever. So we finished the book of Jude, and my plan is to uh, go to the book of James. But before we do that, I, wa- I want to spend... Uh, some time in the Old Testament, because I think sometimes we think the Old Testament, we, we can't read it, it's too hard, we can't understand what is it all about, and so we just avoid it, and that's kind of what happens, but uh, I, I think that the, you know, the Old Testament is just incredible, it's just beautiful, it's wonderful, and, and uh, the stuff that is there is incredible. So, I put this up here for you here, and we used to do this quite a bit a number of years back, the kind of the breakdown of the, of the Old Testament. It's really five sections, and 512, 5512, some of you remember those numbers. The first section, the five books of Moses, also known as what? The Pentateuch, and also known as the Law. The first five books. Then, then we have the books of history, which are you know books like Samuel and the Kings and Ezra, and and different books like that. And then we have the the five books of poetry, which include Job and the Psalms, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Then we have the major prophets and the minor prophets, and it's very kind of straightforward the way that it's broken down. It's easy when you kind of put it into that kind of a picture. So. Uh, so the question is, where do we start? Well, Genesis 1-1, right? That's where we start. The book of Genesis, is the, it's called the book of beginnings. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The, the name Genesis comes from a, a different verse in the first couple chapters there, but in the Hebrew, it's called the the beginnings, in the beginnings, the beginnings. And, and it really, the book of Genesis is so radically important. I can't stress that. And that, that's mainly what I want to get across today is that the book of Genesis is the foundational book. It's the book of beginnings where we all came from, where, where life came from, where family came, you know, came from. It, it, it talks about you know, who we are. And these are the questions of life. Who do we belong to? What life is really all about? And, and so I want to ask you this morning, have you actually read the book of Genesis? I'm talking about the whole book of Genesis. How many chapters? 50 chapters. Someone was close, 49 is close. Don't skip that last chapter. 50 chapters, you can read it. It's, it's, it's like most of it is in kind of narrative form which means it's, you know, tells the story, the history, and, and so it's kind of, it's, it's very simple and easy to read. And that doesn't mean it's all easy to understand because it is radically deep. It's radically important in, in terms of uh, our, our purpose in life here. Uh, there was a Bible teacher, her name was Henrietta Mears, 
And she wrote a book called What, what is the Bible or What the Bible is All About. And, and uh, I, I read this quote about her and said, uh, and she was single. And someone said, How, you know, why did you never marry? And she said, because the Apostle Paul is dead. She had pretty high standards, in other words. <laughs> but she said this. She said, No wonder when men, because of spiritual blindness, reject God's revelation in this peerless record of beginnings. She said, They worship chance as the creator, beasts as their ancestors, and fallen humanity as the flower of natural evolution. That's a, quite a statement, isn't it? David Guzik said that, you know, the Bible would be incomplete and, and perhaps incomprehensible without the book of Genesis. That it sets the stage for the, for the whole drama of redemption, and would, which the, the rest of the book just kind of, you know, uh, unfolds this truth. And he says this, that... It is precisely because people have abandoned the truth of Genesis that society is in such disarray. And I believe that. Some of the insanity that's going on in our society, in our country today, all the gender stuff, all the, all the uh, uh, radical sexual immorality stuff, if, if, if you believed and followed the book of Genesis, you'll know that this is the truth. This is what... This is how God made us. Interestingly, there are like 200 quotes or allusions to the book of Genesis in the New Testament. 200 times they refer back just to the book of Genesis. Radically, radically important. You, and, and, you know, as I, as I was looking at this and thinking about it in, in different verses, would come up and, and how often it's referred back to this idea of creation. This idea that God is the creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. This is the foundation, you know. If we can believe Genesis 1-1, you can, the rest is going to all fall into place, you see. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. One Bible teacher said this, that these first four words in the beginning, God, these first four words of the Bible, they form the foundation of faith. Believe these words and you can believe everything that follows, all that follows. And I think that's so true. If you, if you don't believe that God is the creator, you're, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have a problem with anything else that the Bible speaks about and speaks to. One of the things that I'm going to do in my little, uh, my little trip through the Old Testament, I'm going to kind of follow the, the hall of faith. Who can tell me where the hall of faith is? Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. And he talks about all the, the different things, but the first thing that they start with in the hall of faith is this. Through faith... We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. You see, what he's saying there is that, that there is faith involved in this. 
Absolutely. You, you, it's not just, you can't, you know, scientifically, scientifically go back and prove these things. He says it is, is through faith that we understand that God framed all. It's just by the word of his power. And he made things out of nothing. I've said this, and I, and I believe this too, is that it takes more faith to believe in the theory of evolution than it does in the faith that the Bible, that the creation that the Bible talks about. It takes more faith to believe that these kinds of things just happened. Like Henrietta Muir says that uh, chance is the creator. Before anything, the eternal God, this is what he says, in the beginning, God. And it doesn't explain who God is. It doesn't try to. It just assumes that God was there, that God exists. He existed before any of this creation happened. In fact, Moses, who uh, wrote in Psalm 90, uh, he wrote Psalm 90. It says, before the mountains were born... Or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So this is part of what is found right here in these first verse, verse 1, these first words, that in the beginning God, that He was from everlasting to everlasting, that He is God before any of the earth was created. This is the God who we believe in, that we have faith in that we trust in that we have given our lives to this God of Genesis 1.1. Another little interesting thing about this, and when, when you go to the word behind our word for God, is the word uh, or the name Elohim. And Elohim, and I, I know this from just listening to the Hebrew language, but uh, if you put an I am kind of on the end, it's, it's a plural, see? So this word Elohim is a plural word. But the interesting thing about it is that it's a plural word, but when they put a verb with it, like this verb created, it's a singular, singular verb. What does that tell us? What does that kind of point to? The Trinity, right that we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, but one God. And this one God created, singular verb, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 17, He said, Father, glorify me in Your presence with the glory that I had with You before the world began. Before the world was ever created, we had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, they were there. You say, this is all really basic stuff, but, but yeah, this basic stuff is the stuff our faith is built upon. That from everlasting to everlasting, Moses said, you are God. Before, before anything was here, you existed forever and ever, and you will exist forever and ever. Romans chapter 1 says this, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. In other words, Paul is saying here that, that you can, looking just at the creation itself, that God's power is obvious, that His divine nature is there and, and people can see it. And so none of us have an excuse and, you know, but... Even though people knew it, they looked for other ways to get around it. This is where evolution comes from. It is evil, by the way. To not glorify God as God, not to give thanks to Him, but He says their, fool, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Foolish hearts were darkened. I had some other things. I'm going to have to save them for next time because we're going to have communion now. But, but I want to jump ahead to uh, what is the connection with the creation to Jesus Christ? Well, I've already talked about the fact that Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are there at creation. But it's kind of interesting, and we, we've looked at this during the Christmas season in John chapter 1, verse 1, kind of ties directly into Genesis 1, 1, right? What does it say? It says this, in what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now the Word, we see in verse 14, says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's why we look at it at Christmas time. But here in John chapter 1 verse 3 it says, through him, that is the word, all things were made. All things were made through him. I got missed my page here. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. So, so we see here kind of like a Jesus the Son of God was like the agent of creation, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but Jesus was like there. Nothing was made without Him. Through Him, through Jesus, all things were made. Now, I want you to turn with me, and we'll, we'll, we'll go into communion here, but I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. This is obviously in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 through 16, as we prepare for communion. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. And he's speaking about Jesus here. Verse 13 says, For he... That is, the Father has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's rescued us. And He's brought us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves, that is, Jesus. In whom, in Jesus, we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. That's why we, that's why we celebrate communion, because we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. But look what he goes on to say this. He says, he, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn what? 
over all creation. And then look at verse 16. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. All things were created by him and for him. This Jesus who rescued us, who gives us the forgiveness of sins that he just talked about in those verses. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you believe that? I want to challenge you before we have communion. I want to challenge you to read the book of Genesis. Maybe you have read it. Maybe it's been a long time. Go back and read it again. We're going to look at a number of different uh, spots along the way in the book of Genesis, but it would be great if you read it before I got there, wouldn't it? So you kind of have an idea, like, what, it, what is he talking about? If I get up here and talk about Enoch, you're going to go like, what? But if you've read it, you could say, wow. You see, because see, the Bible all fits together, even though it was written over, you know, like a period of like, I think it's 1,700 years, I believe. Uh, I think it's like seven, I should have wrote this down, like 70 uh, different authors, something like that. Don't uh, fact check me, Larry, please. And uh, I'm asking you to fact check me. Uh, but in all these people wrote at all these different times and different places and different situations in life, and yet it all comes together Amen. as one. This is the incredible. The Bible, you know I love the Bible, and it's just an incredible thing. The more you get into it, the more you read it, the more you study it, 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 it kind of brings your life together. It can, I think. I think uh, I read somewhere that, uh, I think it was R.A. Torrey said that, you know, every strong Christian that he met was somebody who had a relationship with the Word of God, that they, believed, they, that they read the Word of God, they, they were in the Word of God. You want to be a strong Christian, this is where it starts. And if you can't read the book of Genesis, well, you're going to have trouble reading anything else. Jesus, the Son of God, He was there. He was the agent of creation. But the Father sent His Son to come to earth. We're going to look at that whole idea of the fall of man. How did we get into this mess? Why did we need to be saved? Why did we need to be rescued? It's called sin. It's chapter 3. Uh, you can get to chapter 3, I think, in your reading. But Jesus, the Father sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins. You read about it in, in Genesis where Abraham, he, you know, he was asked to sacrifice his son. But then God said, no, I don't want you to do it because it, he would provide the sacrifice. And the sacrifice was his son, Jesus Christ. So we worship him. 
as the Creator, as our Savior. Let's pray together, and then what we're going to do today, we haven't done this for a while, I'm going to ask you just to go back and get your communion and, and uh, come back to your seat, and just between you and God, just talk to Him. Say, Jesus, I, I want to thank you that you created us. I want to thank you that you have done this work in our lives. But most of all, I want to thank you for coming to this earth to save me, to rescue me from my sin, and to forgive me of all my sin. So I'm going to leave that with you because ultimately, you know what? We do this together and we do most times we do this together and there's a unity in that. But ultimately it's between you and him. And if you don't have that personal relationship with him, you will not make it. You can't get there because of the, how does it go? You know, you can't get to heaven in the pastor's car because the pastor's car don't go that far. You, you can't get there on someone else's faith. You've got to have your own. By faith, we enter into the kingdom of God. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, you are the God who creates. You are the God who created the heavens and the earth, and we humbly bow before you. And, and there's so much more that could be said from beginning to end. Uh, this book declares that you are the Almighty that you are the God who created us. And you had a purpose for that. You, it, you had a purpose. You, you, you wanted to have fellowship with us. You didn't need us, but you desired to have fellowship with us. Your word declares that you delight in your people. You rejoice over your people even with singing. Lord, you rejoice over these people even here today. And as we come, we, we come humbly knowing that, that uh, we're just broken people. We're hurting people. We have had a hard day, a hard life, a hard month. But you are still the God who sees us and knows. And that we can cast all our cares on you because you care for us. So we come this morning and we, we bring our lives before you, Lord. You, you are the first and foremost one in this book we, that we study, that we read, that we love. You're number one there and we want to make you number one in our lives as well. And so we, we come even now at this time of communion, Lord, to just uh, renew that commitment to say yes. You are one. You're number one in my life. Forgive me for wandering, for being distracted, for not trusting you at times. Forgive me for blowing it, for sinning, for doing my own thing. But because of Jesus, his grace, his love, his mercy covers all. 
new every morning. Please take your time and go back when you feel that you're ready to do that. And partake on your own with your, just you and God.